0: you may be seated. So today is I Love My Church Sunday, and so the title of my message is very creative. It's I Love My Church. (laughs) Uh, I didn't really uh, think too hard about that one, um, but uh, I do love my church. And so I want to start this morning by saying I love church. In my life, I was counting, and I have been part of eight different churches in my life. I went all the way back to when I was born until uh, right now. Eight different churches. Some of them were big, some of them were small, and some of them were in between. But I don't just love church, I also love my church. Uh, Because when the word church is mentioned in Scripture, the overwhelming majority refer to a local assembly, which should be our emphasis as well. And uh, I don't just love the idea of church, I love my church. Now, I realize that Cornerstone Baptist Church does not belong to me. I get that. But it's still the church that I have the privilege to go to, and I love it. I love this. I appreciate what uh, Ms. Jonell said in the video. I, uh, I agree with that. I love singing with all of you, and uh, worshiping the Lord together corporately is a, is a wonderful blessing. Uh, I love the music. I love those who serve in the music ministry and who lead us in music and and uh, play the different instruments. I, I, I love the music. I love the fellowship um, with all of you. I love the Sunday school time, which we didn't get to have today, but I do enjoy that time, a smaller group to enjoy some uh, a little closer fellowship with one another. Um, I love the preaching of the Word of God. I love uh, not just doing the preaching, but also hearing others preach as well. Um, I love the accountability that this church provides in my life. Uh, I love all the different services we have. I love the Sunday morning service, the Sunday night service, the Wednesday night service. I love all of the events that we have and activities uh, that we enjoy, like the couples banquet that we had this past Friday night, which was an absolute blast. And uh, thank you for everybody who got to come to that. Uh, I love the wonderful relationships that we have built with each of you. I love this pulpit that I get to uh, preach from each and every week. Um, I love the staff that God has assembled here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. I love our deacons and our board of directors. I love all those who serve in the various ministries of our church. And I love all the members and regular tenders. I love Cornerstone Baptist Church. I love my church. Um, I hope you do too. But not everyone can say that they love their church, because sadly there are a whole host of Christians who don't even go to church or have a church home. Uh, Oh, maybe they used to, perhaps they were hurt somewhere along the way or were disillusioned or uh, something happened there that just caused them to drop out. But many of these believers would still say that they indeed love Jesus, just not the church. But my question is, can this be? Can a Christian really and truly love the Lord Jesus without loving the church? Well, ultimately, the Lord is the judge on that, but I'm also going to let you answer that question as we go through this message Um, and uh, to help us understand the real importance, the, the connection that Jesus has with the church, which would hopefully help us to understand the connection we should have Uh, with the church as well all right so let's talk about I love my church first of all uh, this morning I want us to notice the example of loving the church the example of loving the church now there's a lot of great examples of loving the church that are out there in the world in fact there are a lot of examples within our own church of people who really and dearly love their church as I look across this room today, and as I think about others who can't be here, who want to be here, uh, I know there's a lot of people in our church who dearly, dearly love their church. But uh, as much as all of us would love the church, none even come close to comparing to the love that Jesus has and had for the church. You see, he loved the church so much that, first of all, Jesus founded the the church, and he wanted the church here so much that he was willing to found the church, to establish, to begin the church. So, as I mentioned, we're going to be looking at uh, several different passages of Scripture as we go through the message today. We're gonna—I'm to, going to ask you to turn over to Matthew chapter number 16. Matthew chapter 16, and here we're going to look at uh, the passage in which Jesus said he was going to found the church. Matthew 16 and verse number 13, let's pick it up there. It says, and when Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And they said, well, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And, of course, that's the question that all of us need to answer in our own individual lives. It doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks or says. but Who do you uh, think and know Jesus to be? And, of course, verse 16, a very famous verse, Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, That uh, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So here as we read through this, we see Jesus uh, establishing the church, founding the church, and as he does this, he says in verse number eighteen. After uh, Peter gives this wonderful confession that Jesus is uh, the Christ, he says, "Upon this rock I will build my church." Uh, I preached on this uh, oh a couple years ago, and when I did, uh, I mentioned uh, what, what was the rock that uh, Jesus said that he was going to build the church upon. Was it was it Peter? No. Uh, because Peter ended up denying the Lord, and uh, he was not the, the rock that would stand undaunted, it would never change. Uh, Peter was uh, quite the changing disciple. As the wind went, so did he. And, uh, and then, what was it, the confession that, that Peter made? Well, that's a better uh, interpretation, but I think the correct interpretation is when he said, upon this rock, I think when Jesus said that, he was pointing to himself. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon the unchanging God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the one who is the rock of our salvation, that's uh, who uh, and what the foundation of the church was. So Jesus founded the church. Uh, How many of you have started a business in your life? Would you raise your hand? Okay, a few of you. Uh, and, uh, and when you start something like a business, you really care about it because it was something that you started. Uh, and maybe you even had employees. Um, I, uh, in Montana, started a graphic design, web design business. And uh, right before we received a call from Cornerstone Baptist Church to come and uh, a candidate here, and, and uh, ultimately the Lord ended up shifting directions, I had actually brought on my very first employee. And, uh, and I remember uh, the first day she was supposed to come over to our house and, and uh, we were gonna kinda go through the different things. Well, that very first day she locked her keys in her car and uh, couldn't get here, couldn't get to our house. And it was just, uh, I was like, oh no, uh, what have I gotten myself into? And uh, it, it really honestly wasn't gonna work out long-term anyway. But uh, employees, while they may care about the business, they sure don't care about it near as much as the owner of that business. The same thing is uh, true when it comes to the church. Uh, We may care about the church, but no one cares more about the church than Jesus does. And uh, he really does love it. I believe that that, that, that Christ promised that he would build his church here in Matthew 16, and that it actually began when the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number two. In Acts chapter two, verse one says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utter. Of course, if Jesus loves the church, obviously we need to love what Jesus loves and, of course, hate what Jesus hates. And he loves the church, and he gave himself for it, and we need to love the church as well. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22. Peter, the one who said, a little bit ago in Matthew chapter sixteen, that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Uh, that same Peter went on to write First Peter, and he said this in chapter one, verse twenty-two: "Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Unfeigned. This means uh, legit love, like not just token." Uh, token love but legitimate love of the brethren see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently Uh, how do we do this is this just supposed to happen within the home yeah uh, we are supposed to love the brethren in the home so Seth and Luke you guys need to love each other in the home But it's not just talking about uh, blood brethren, it's talking about brothers in Christ, brothers and sisters in the Lord. How do we do that? We've got to do that within the church. And uh, so if we're going to do that, we need to love the church. We need to be a part of a church so much, or we need to love the church so much that we're part of it, and so we can uh, work through some of these things, like loving the brethren. All right, Uh, here's a couple other thoughts here about the expectation to love the church. The church is called the bride of Christ. Uh, In our text in Ephesians chapter number five, Jesus likens the church to his bride. Uh, Verse 22 says this, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Uh, verse 24, therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Uh, verse 20 uh, 27 says that he might present it the the church to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing that it should be holy and without blemish And verse 32 if you jump down here, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church now, for those who know Ephesians chapter 5, this little passage that we're kind of going through is the great marriage uh, passage in the Bible. A lot of great instruction can be found within this, uh, within this passage regarding marriage, regarding the roles of a wife and a husband and uh, the responsibilities. But then, But then he also says, look, I'm also referring not just to the the physical man and wife relationship, I'm also talking about the spiritual relationship between Christ and the church. Um, And because the church is likened to his bride, and uh, later in the book of Revelation, uh, he refers to it again, and and we won't take the time to turn there and look at that, but uh, the church is considered his bride. We're the bride of Christ. In verse 29 here, it says, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. So again, here we have the example mentioned. The Lord nourisheth and cherisheth the church. He loves the church. It's his bride. I remember when my wife and I were uh, engaged to be married, I mean, I just couldn't, stop thinking about her now that we're married I still can't stop thinking about her Whew, got out of that one cuz you you were thinking I was going to say now I just never think about her no I think about her a lot um but I you know here's the deal here's the deal if we speak ill of the church we are literally insulting the bride of Christ and 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 I love my wife, and if you come up and you start insulting my wife, uh, you and I are going to have a problem, right? And, uh, and I think the same goes with, with your wife, right? If, if I were to start insulting your wife, I mean, there would be a problem. And, uh, and there's a lot of Christians who say, hey, I love Jesus, but, uh, but the church, you know, I got burnt there, so I'm done. Uh, No no, thanks, I just can't do church anymore. I got hurt, too many hypocrites there, blah, 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 whatever excuse they give. You know, the Lord takes that personal. You're talking about the bride of Christ, and uh, he's not okay with that. The Lord Jesus is uh, not okay with us speaking ill of the church. Um, This is something that he cares deeply about. The Bible says in verse 29, he nourisheth and cherisheth it. This is something very precious to him. He loves it so much that he gave himself for it. And so there is an expectation to love the church because it's his bride. Uh, We are to love the church. The church is called the bride of Christ, but it's also called the body of Christ. The church is also called the body of Christ. If you would turn to uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12. This is the passage that explains the concept that the church is the body of Christ. I Pick it up in verse number 12. He says here, and I just want to remind us as we go through this passage, he's not just talking about this church idea as a whole, but he's also talking about a local church because he's writing to a local church, Paul is. He's writing to the church here there at Corinth. And in uh, verse number 12, chapter 12, verse 12 says, For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, Because I am not the hand, I am not of the body is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, I mean, that's kind of a preposterous thing to think about, right? Just one giant eyeball walking around. I don't think that they could really walk around because there's no legs. It's just one giant eyeball, right? If that's the, uh, and, and, and Paul's kind of explaining this, look, If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now have God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if uh, they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. I mean, if your pinky toe, which you think, eh, it's not a very important part of my body. If I were to take a hammer and smash it right now, uh, you would think it's a pretty important part of your body right now. Okay? Uh, verse 23, And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, that the members should have the same care one for another. Whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so here we have the illustration that Paul uses to explain the church that it's like a body, uh, every part is necessary and needed. Uh, about three years ago, I had a tooth pulled. It was a uh, lower molar on this side of my mouth, and uh, I, they were they were explaining how I needed to get some type of a bridge or an implant or something to go in there, uh, and I was like, well, okay, well, how much are those? And I was like, never mind, I'm gonna just live with no tooth. <laughs> I'm good, but I'm telling you, when I eat steak, I miss that molar. (laughs) I really do. I have to eat always on this side uh, because there is no molar down there. And uh, it just kind of goes into the abyss of my mouth when I'm chewing on this side. Every part of our body is important and has a purpose and a reason for being there. Every part of our church, every person in our church, has a purpose uh, within our church, and it's necessary. We can't do without. Um, I was talking to one of our newer members. They just joined the church last week, uh, Linda, uh, on Friday night, and she was just excited to be part of our church. And I said, you know, uh, and, and she was saying, you know, we really this really filled something in our life, being a part of this church. And I said, well, you know what? We didn't know it, but we needed you too. Uh, and now that you're here, we, we realize that we need you, and, uh, and we need each one of you who are here today, and those who are watching as well. You're an active and important part of our church, and we need you. Um, every every part is, every person is important and necessary. Now, in our day and age, there's a uh, consumer mentality in Christianity. Uh, Paul warned Timothy that, uh, about this in Second Timothy chapter four, he said this would happen, and uh, we're we're living it right now. Second uh, Timothy four and verse three says, "For the time will come, and uh, Paul actually the time has come now, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." Um, there is a consumer mentality where they don't want to hear things that are hard to hear. They want to go and hear what they want to hear. Uh, perhaps you've heard of them, church shoppers. Uh, they go from church to church trying to get, you know, uh, like a smorgy board, you know, uh, going to Golden Corral and trying to pick what you want and leave out the rest. And what they end up doing is not really being part of any church at all, because they realize, you know, hey, with my phone, I can find music that, that I like. I can find uh, pastors that I like to listen to. And, and so I subscribe to their podcasts. And I don't need to get up and come and, uh, you know, be a part of a church. And so they kind of end up doing this. And they kind of form their own little custom church that is individual just to them. They have the music that they like. They have the preaching that they like. And uh, as a result, it's it's great. I mean, there's no conflict. Uh, there's no awkward uh, church business meetings, right? Uh, it's really easy to be a part of this custom church. It's wonderful. Except for the fact that... Uh, uh, there's no need to display the fruit of the Spirit in my own custom church. There's no accountability in my custom church. There's no need for forgiveness and restoration in my custom church. There's no need to show grace to others. There's no opportunity to serve others within my custom church. I'm just consuming. I, I, in my custom church, there's no need to give. There's no need to grow. There's no need to serve. There's no sacrifice for others. And so what they do is they just get the good parts of church and leave the rest out. Uh, Friend, that's not the type of Christians God calls us to be in the New Testament. God calls us to be inside a church. and, And I know sometimes it can get a little dicey. I know that sometimes it's a little hard. But guess what? That's what God intended us to do so that we grow and we get better and we become closer to the Lord Jesus and we become closer with our church family. Um, It's not going to always be easy. We're not going to always see eye to eye. and, And when those times come, we don't just bail it because it's tough. We work it out. We grow. We get better. But when we're in just our own little custom church and consuming what we want to consume We're not going to ever experience that type of growth. And so there is an expectation, being part of the body of Christ, to not bail. Um, Okay, I have a thumb. I'm thankful for my thumb. But you know, my thumb, if it decided, you know what? I'm not like the other fingers. I'm not even really technically called a finger. And uh, I don't really fit in with the other four, so I'm just going to separate myself from my hand. Because, you know, these fingers, they all kind of look the same, but I look way different. And I have a different, I'm, I'm on a different part of the hand altogether. And it, and it seems like these other four fingers, they get, they, they get together and have all these little, you know, meetings, and uh, they kind of leave me out. I feel left out because I look different. I'm not in the same location that they are on the hand and and so I'm just going to I'm just going to bail. What, was, what would happen if my thumb decided to separate from my hand? It would wither up, wouldn't it? It wouldn't go off and do well and thrive. It needs to be part and attached to the body. And just because it's not like the other members doesn't mean it's not necessary. There might be somebody in our church who says, oh, I'm just not like everybody else. It's okay, good. You're a thumb. And uh, I'm thankful for thumbs. And uh, we need thumbs here at Cornerstone Baptist Church. We need pinky toes that don't seem like they're significant, but you try walking with a a pinky toe that uh, gets slammed by a hammer, it's not going to be fun. Uh, We need every part of this body to be... Uh, attached and active and working together as we go forward. So there is an expectation because the church is called the bride of Christ, because the church is also called the body of Christ. But number three, I want us to notice quickly uh, this morning, the expression of loving the church. So Jesus, of course, is our example, and there is definitely an expectation uh, regarding our love for the church. But what is the expression of loving the church. Talk is cheap. Anyone can say that they love someone or something, but it's only true love when it is expressed. So a Christian might say that he loves the church or his church, but if it's never or seldom expressed, then I wonder if he really does indeed love the church. Here are some ways, biblically speaking, that we can express our love for the church. First of all, we can express our love for the church by loving the church enough to attend, to attend. Now, I realize that I'm preaching this message on a day when the weather is not as conducive as other days to be here. And so for those who are watching today, thank you for attending at least online. And uh, I'm going to give you 100% credit for that, okay? Okay. Uh, so thank you for, for joining us online. But um, but attending is so important uh, regarding the church. And I realize with COVID, of course, this has changed some of that too for others who can't uh, come in person because of uh, sickness or uh, underlying health issues. I understand that. But Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 is still in the Bible. Uh, regardless of what's going on around us, Uh, these verses are still there. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. See, ultimately, you need for you to attend. You need to attend for you. And I need to attend for me. I need to be here for my spiritual health and growth. But guess what? I need to attend so that I can be a blessing to you. And You need to attend so that you can be a blessing to me as well. Uh, verse 24 says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. And the very next verse talks about our faithfulness in attendance uh, to the assembling of ourselves together. How are we going to provoke one another if you're not here? Oh, well, I can send you an encouraging text. Good. I am thankful for some of the technology that we can utilize to provoke one another to love and to good works, but nothing replaces the eyeball to eyeball. How you doing, brother? How you really doing, brother? a type of a conversation that sometimes we need to have with one another. Uh, And uh, I need you to be here for me, and you need to be here for you. Um, You need to be provoked to love and to good works, and we need you to provoke us to do the same. And this can best be accomplished through you being here. Now, again, I get that not everybody can be right now with what's been going on, but at the same time, for those who can, we need to be here. We need to be faithful. And so I just want to encourage us uh, also to not be a CEO Christian. Most of us are CEO, or there are some CEO Christians out there. These are the Christmas and Easter only Christians who only come to church on Christmas and Easter. And uh, CEOs make a lot of money maybe, but you know what? Uh, this is not necessarily the type of CEO you want to be. We're to be faithful. Uh, the Bible says in uh, Hebrews 10, 25, so much the more as you see the day approaching, not so much the less. So love the church enough to attend and to attend faithfully and to be here uh, when the doors are open. And I appreciate our church family who, who you know, really does uh, attempt to do that. Love the church enough to attend. Secondly, love the church enough to serve. Love the church enough to serve. Uh, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Peter chapter number 4. 1 Peter chapter 4 here. Verse number 10. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse number 10. It says this, As Every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise, and dominion, forever and ever. Now, Paul or Peter is is encouraging us to use the spiritual gifts that God's given us. And by the way. Uh the moment that we're saved, God gives each believer at least one spiritual gift. And this gift is not meant to edify myself. It's, it's really meant to edify others and to build up others and to be a blessing to others. Now, can this be used? Can our spiritual gifts be used outside of the church? Yes, absolutely. They're to be used within the marriage within the home, at work, in our community? Yeah, absolutely, we can utilize and exercise our spiritual gifts, but primarily those spiritual gifts are meant and designed and intended to be utilized and exercised within the context of a local church. And so uh, I want to encourage us to use those spiritual gifts to edify and build up the church Uh, to be good stewards of the grace of God and to find a place to serve and to serve joyfully. The Bible says in Psalm 100 in verse 2, serve the Lord with complaining. No, with gladness, right? We're to do it with gladness. Now, I know not every Sunday you wake up going, yay, I get to do this particular ministry. Um, There are some Sundays where I wake up and I go, oh boy, I get to preach today. Uh, Most of the time, I do enjoy and look forward to it, but some, it's not always the case. But we're to serve the Lord with gladness and with joy. So love the church enough to find a place to serve and to serve joyfully. Uh, Thirdly, we're to love the church enough to pray earnestly, to pray. James 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another and Pray one for another that ye may be healed. Right now, we're praying for several people in our church who are dealing with health issues, especially Brother Tom right now. Um, but then he says, James does, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay, so you say, well, I do love the church. I do love my church, and uh, I love the church enough to pray. But, But what... What can I pray for regarding our church? I mean, what really is there to pray for? Lord, please bless Cornerstone Baptist Church. Well, I'm I'm really glad you brought this up. I'm really glad you asked the question, because there are some answers that I have for you this morning on what you can pray for this church, uh, some things you can pray for this church. Okay? Pray for one another. Pray for those who are going through health issues right now. I pray for God's power to be upon the public services. Um, I, I don't want I don't want my words to fall to the ground. I want them to uh, pierce hearts, and and I know ultimately it's the word of God that pierces hearts. But I want these uh, services to change lives, and for the power of God to be upon them. I pray for that. That's not going to happen by accident. Uh, it's going to be because God's people are praying for uh, God's power. On uh, the services, pray for our outreach that it would be effective as we go out into our community, as we give those flyers out and and put them on doors and and uh, talk to people about the Lord and invite them to church. Pray that God would bless that that e- those efforts. I uh, pray for our staff. Uh, the devil obviously would love to take all of us out uh, one by one for sure, but uh, I have noticed since. Uh, becoming a pastor, that there is uh, a, a bigger target on on uh, on our family. Uh, I've I've sensed that, and and I, we could sure use your prayers. And uh, so, if you're wondering, okay, well, what can I pray for in our church? Pray for pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor's family. Uh, pray for the other staff member. Pray for the Rupels. Uh, pray for the Mosleys and and uh, and the McDonalds. Pray for pray for us. We need your prayers. Pray for our spiritual well-being, for our marriages, for our children. Well, what else can I pray for? Well, I we can pray for our Sunday school teachers, that uh, God would help them and and give them wisdom as they prepare those lessons to teach to their students, that, that God would give them the words to say, and that, again, those would be powerful. They would have God's power upon their lives as they teach. Pray for those who are homebound right now, for their encouragement, uh, for uh, their God to encourage their hearts as they're going through this time. Pray for our missionaries. There are 56 missionaries that our church supports via prayer and financial, or via via prayer, 50 that we support financially. Uh, They have a lot of needs. There's really no shortage of what we can be praying for regarding our missionaries. Pray for our spiritual health as a church and our spiritual growth as a church. Pray for the finances in our church. Pray for wisdom. The list really could go on, but that should give you a good start to pray for our church. Do you love the church enough to pray? I hope that you do. So we're to love the church uh, enough to do all these things. And then fourthly, we're also to love the church enough to give. Love the church enough to give. And remember, it was God who expressed his love through giving first. For God so loved the world that he gave. By the way, he didn't just give his leftovers or some chump change. He gave his very best when he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should have everlasting life, uh, should not perish but have everlasting life. So God expressed his love through giving, and he expects us to do the same. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse number 2, Paul says this, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him that there be no gatherings when I come. Upon the first day of the week, that's Sunday. uh, We celebrate and we worship uh, on Sundays because that's the day we celebrate the resurrection of Christ because Jesus rose from the grave on Sunday, the first day of the week. And so Paul says, hey, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store. So this isn't just for... Those who can afford it, because really, we all can't afford not to. Uh, because of all the promises that God has in His Word regarding giving, regarding those who uh, decide to give, He promises to give back to us uh, abundantly more than we could ever imagine. Um, it's been said, you know, you, you get ten, you get a hundred dollars, and you're like, okay, well, tithing is ten percent, so I give. Ten and then I am to survive off of that 90. But when you do that, that 90 goes a lot farther than that 100 if you were stingy and didn't give. Have you ever noticed that? God is able to make that 90% uh, much more than if you were to keep 100%. Uh, because that's just the way God works. It's been said you can give without loving but you cannot get cannot love without giving i read about a bumper sticker that says tithe if you love jesus any idiot can honk <laughs> you probably have seen honk if you love jesus uh, i like this one i'm going to i'm going to give these out in our church you know <laughs> tithe if you love jesus any idiot can honk um, and really that is the case any idiot can talk about how much they love Jesus. I can wear a T-shirt that says you all need Jesus, and and, uh, those are great T-shirts, and I'm not preaching against any of that, but really, um, if we really love the Lord, we're going to be willing to give. Carl Menninger of the Menninger Institute published a report stating that generous people are happy people. He also said that giving is a criteria for mental health. If uh, you're trying to improve your mental health this year, one way to do that is by giving, by being generous. And uh, so love the church enough to give. And by the way, your giving here at Cornerstone Baptist Church goes towards the ongoing ministry of this church, including our outreach into our community and our world through our missions program. Your giving goes toward the work of the Lord, which will matter for all of eternity. So love the church enough to give. Fifthly here, we are to love the church enough to invite. Turn with, with me, if you would, and we're, we're about done here. John chapter number one. John chapter number one. I want to show you this. John chapter one, verse number 35. John 1.35 says this. Again, the next day. After John stood, John the Baptist, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Verse 37 And the two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Now, for the longest time, they were following John. But when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. And then these two disciples that were standing ended up following Jesus instead. Verse 38, Jesus turned and saw them following, and saith unto them, What seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted master, where dwellest thou? He said unto them, Come and see. And they came and saw where he dwelt, and abode with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. Well, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Verse number 41, He first findeth his own brother, Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which being interpreted is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation a stone. So John the Baptist says, There's Jesus, the Lamb of God. And so Andrew leaves John, goes and follows Jesus, once Andrew realizes who Jesus really is, then goes, finds his brother, invites his brother to go and see Jesus, ends up doing that, and we all know the Apostle Peter. Uh, Peter went on to become that one who preached on the day of Pentecost where 3,000 people were saved and baptized. That same Peter ended up writing two books of the word of God that you hold in your hands today. And it all started with one invitation. In 1994, a teenager invited his best friend to church for a special Sunday that they were having. Oh, it wasn't the first time that uh, this guy invited his friend. But on this Sunday, this friend agreed to come. Well, that, say, that friend was actually saved beforehand, but something about this new church really got a hold of his heart. And that friend kept coming for a while and later joined that church. After a year or so, that friend ended up going to Bible college. He eventually met his future wife there at that Bible college and later went on to serve the Lord in ministry. And it all started with an invitation to church. Well, fast forward to 2018. You see, that friend, while on a date with his wife, received a phone call from a cornerstone Baptist church of Moore, Oklahoma. And within six months, that friend became the 13th pastor in this church's history. It all started with an invitation. When my friend encouraged me to come to church with him there in 1994, you see, you never know the impact one invitation could make. In the life of your coworker, in the life of your friend at school, in the life of your neighbor, you never know the impact one invitation can make. The invitation that John gave that day in John chapter one and verse number thirty-five, John the Baptist did. Behold, the Lamb of God. Look, it wasn't like he preached a sermon to him. Although it was, it, it was a sermon. It was just a very short sermon. Behold, the Lamb of God. That's all it took. It doesn't have to be much, but you can just give an invitation, and uh, you never know what kind of impact that will make for eternity with one invitation. Love the church enough to invite others. Now, being part of a good church is absolutely essential for the spiritual health and growth of a believer. I think we've kind of made that clear this morning. And those who say they love Jesus without a church are spiritually anemic at best. And uh, I don't really know how they do it, to be honest. Um, Many of you went through COVID. We went through COVID as a family as well, and it was such a blessing to be part of a church family that we knew was praying for us and that encouraged us along the way. I I don't know how people do it without a church family. As you go through the different ups and downs of life, it's great to have people, an extended family, like I think... uh, Miss Stephanie said on the video, an extended family and, and uh, a second family. And that's what being a church, part of a church family is, is all about. It's important. But while being a part of a good church is essential, being part of a church by itself has never got anyone into heaven. See, we're not saved through our church membership or attendance or our serving or our giving. No, we can only be saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Salvation only comes through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. And so if you're here or watching today and uh, you've never placed your faith in Christ alone, please do that today. That's way far more important than being part of a good church, uh, is knowing for sure that your sins are forgiven and that when you uh, pass from this life into the next, that you'll be in the presence of God. That's the most important thing. But for those who have been saved by grace through faith faith in Christ alone, please get yourself into a good Bible-believing church where Jesus Christ is magnified and lifted up, where the Bible is preached without compromise, where Christians are built up in their faith and where believers are encouraged to reach their community in the world with the gospel. Find a church and yoke up with it and love it. And may I make a humble recommendation if you're still looking? If you are in the more OKC metro area, I can't think of a better church than Cornerstone Baptist Church, but maybe I'm just a little biased on that one. And to those of us who call Cornerstone Baptist Church your home church, I hope you indeed love your church. I hope you love it enough to attend, and to attend faithfully for those who can, to serve and to serve joyfully, and to pray, to pray earnestly, To love this church enough to give, and to give cheerfully. And to love this church enough to invite, and to invite enthusiastically. I hope you love your church. Today is I Love My Church Sunday, and I hope that you will say, I love my church. I love my church. I hope that you prove it through the expressions that we talked about this morning.